BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, they say the hospital kidnapped their seriously ill daughter. The doctor said the family was making her sick. The truth may lie somewhere in the middle. We'll talk about the Peacock documentary series, The Battle for Justina Pelletier. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, Kevin Flynn. Hi, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. So we should say Toby is not joining us right now for this episode. So also with us, just for this episode alone, by herself over there, is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of Cozy Mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hi, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. Guys, so we get to have a Toby free time. Oh, it's I, I feel weird. This is like weird. It's like dad's away or something. Yes, no we balls. Have so much trouble. <laughs> Man, we got no this balls. This show has no balls <laughs> whatsoever. What can we talk about without him here that we can't talk Ooh. about when he's here? Uh, not soccer. Oh, that's right. No sports. <laughs> oh, I can I can say like I fully believe in UFOs, hundred percent. Toby, oh, take that. Take that, Toby. Take that, that Toby. Yeah. Take that, shit Toby. Ghosts. <laughs> I'm all about the ghosts, Toby. Bring me the ghosts. Bring me the ghosts. Mm-hmm. What other, like, fully skeptical? Do you believe anything that's skeptical that he, like, he's skeptical about? Is there anything that you really believe in that, that Toby would call bullshit on? Anything? Uh, I don't know. Bigfoot? Do you think he likes Bigfoot? No. Do you believe in Bigfoot? No, I don't believe in Bigfoot. Oh, okay. <laughs> Laura does. Uh, all right. So, Kevin, <laughs> this is obviously Thursday's episode of Crime Writers On, but we are a twice weekly show. Uh, what is happening on Monday's episode of the program? On Monday, we're going to be talking about the new podcast, Undetermined. Okay. From Tenderfoot TV. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that conversation. It should be a good one. Hey, I got to an update. Yeah. So you remember last week we gave our best ofs, right? Yes, I do. And so we were just talking about the top 10 things. We really didn't talk about sort of the whole year of our reviews. Right. And, you know, our uh, resident statistician, crime writer statistician, Lene Motter. Yep. That she went through and ran the numbers. Okay. So 88 regular feed episodes, 44 podcasts, 26 series, 17 documentaries, one special update. Uh, Let's see here. So of all the thumbs up, we had 45 reviews that were all uh, thumbs up and 12 that were zero thumbs up. Okay. Okay. Most agreeable. Okay. Kevin with 68 thumbs up. I am surprised to hear that. Laura's in second place with 61. Yeah, I thought it would be Laura. Okay. Most most disagreeable is Toby 
with 14 thumbs down. Wow. Uh, Laura was in second with 13. Middle of the road, which we call the Patrick Hines Award. It's Laura with 12 thumbs sideways. <laughs> How is Laura both all three? She does all three Look things. At that. I am like equal opportunity here. <laughs> yeah, right down the middle. Uh, I love it. Toby has three fewer votes than the rest of us. There were a couple episodes which he did not make, including this episode. So he'll already be one behind yep. for next year. And here are the most popular sources for 2022. Uh, we had Netflix at 18, HBO 10, Hulu 9, and then six from Wondery, four from Campside Media. Hmm. And also we did 60 Patreon episodes last year. And 12 crowdcasts. So she's like mm. our um, Billy, what's his face from Moneyball, right? <laughs> Billy Bean. Billy Bean, yes. Yeah, it's incredible. That's really Bill James was the statistician behind all of that. Hey, that actually reminds me of something else that I want to give a quick update on that I yeah. think that we should disclose. Yeah. Because a couple of you, I think you and Laura had um, suspect on your top 10 list. Laura did? I did, yeah. All right. So we should say this because this was not actually a thing at the time. But Suspect Season 2 is being released now on the apps. It's going to be coming out widely in distribution. When we reviewed it, it was only on Amazon Music, right? Yeah. But it's coming out soon. It's now being promoted on Apple Podcasts, and it's going to be widely released on all the apps. And in case people hear it in the credits, because uh, you might, there is going to be a new episode coming out with the season when it comes out on all the apps. Because as you know, Laura, there was that little update episode at the end. But there's going to be a full episode at the end. And you might hear a familiar name in the credits in the final episode. And that name is Henry Lavoie. <laughs> um, my, yeah. son, uh, my son got a job as a, a contract producer. And he actually worked with the team working on at with Ashley and the team over there on Suspect Season 2. But he did not work on Suspect Season 2 while we were reviewing it. He had nothing to do with it then, and he that in no way influenced your uh, ranking of it. Right, Laura? Absolutely, although I'm pretty excited to hear Henry is working on that. Yeah, me too. It was, I think it was a really, really cool opportunity. So Yeah. All right. Well, this is a really interesting topic we're going to be talking about this episode, so I would love to get into it. You guys ready? Let's do it. All right. Let's drop that first clip right now. The GI people didn't know what was going on. They didn't have any answers. For any parents with complicated medical children. There's there's roadblocks along the way that you have to be, as a parent, an advocate. Justina Pelletier was a 14-year-old girl diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder that required numerous surgeries and caused severe pain. When she was taken to Boston Children's Hospital, doctors suspected Justina's issues were psychological and not physical, and they suspected her parents were committing medical child abuse. We went to talk to the parents, and she, she could not go home safely at that time. Her father was raising his voice. He was he was red. He was kind of towering, you know, in, close to us or in, in the face. He was screaming. I was very scared. Over the next 16 months, the Pelletiers used the media and threats of litigation to apply pressure on the hospital and the state to discharge their daughter. But administrators said these hardball tactics made it impossible to get Justina care at other facilities, further harming her prognosis. DCF had been trying for months to find a psychiatric care facility that would take Justina. The problem was anytime they found a place, Lou Pelletier threatened to sue the facility. The Peacock documentary series The Battle for Justina Pelletier looks at the very public tug of war between parents and physicians convinced they're doing the best thing for a sick child. 
as well as the exploits of a computer hacker who came to her cause. It also explores the thornier question of what Justina's medical issues truly are and how they affected the adult's decisions. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from The Battle for Justina Pelletier. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Oh, guys, we, we should acknowledge that we are not physicians. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, and, that, yeah, yeah. and that our discussion here is based on what we see in the documentary. Correct. So if we make um, declarations about people's motivations, oh, yeah, or, yeah. that's just OK. We're talking about the media. Which, yes. And certainly we're influenced by the documentary, but we're also influenced, we should say, like, we're also also parents. Right. And we've right. also had struggles with our kids, and that's also infusing our Right. Thinking. Okay. So that's, yeah. so mm-hmm. before everybody gets really upset, we acknowledge that we might be talking out of our ass, but we're just yeah. doing that because this is what was presented to us. That's right. So this documentary is a thorny one, yeah. right? But Laura, and this is a topic I think of particularly interest to you, right? This Munchausen by proxy, which we also hear this term for in this documentary, mm-hmm. medical child abuse, right? Yeah, I've been interested in Munchausen for a long time. I covered a case as a newspaper reporter that they thought was a suspected case of Munchausen, where we had a woman that was putting Windex in baby formula and feeding it to her her child. And at that time, there was actually a national expert on Munchausen who was based in New Hampshire. So of all, you know, different psychological, I don't even know what to call them disorders, because I think Munchausen is still also a little bit controversial because some people believe in it and some people don't. And and we've obviously, in the case of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, yeah, that was a case where, you know, you see this on display and then you see the after effects of Munchausen. So going into this, I can totally see why the hospital and why the medical professionals and why the psychiatric professionals suspected that's what might be going on there when you look at other cases. And so I think, you know, that setup is to me very, you know, I won't say believable, but like you can see the line, you can see the thought process it's logical that this is the road that they're going down. What I thought was really interesting was learning a little bit more about the legal side of how that's handled in Massachusetts. Yeah. This 51A, which is a report that they file with DCYF or whatever their DCYF is called there when they suspect child abuse or neglect. And the other part for me that was really interesting, aside from the Munchausen by proxy and the medical professionals opinions, is that this is taking place in Boston's Children's Hospital. Right. And that's a hospital I'm familiar with. Will was there in the beginning of COVID. Some of our listeners might remember when he had his big scootering accident and collapsed his lung and broke his ribs and all that stuff. And that's not a hospital where you mess around. Right. And they have like the best of the best there. So for those providers to suspect this and to suspect that it was, you know, this medical child abuse or Munchausen by proxy was, I was really interested to sort of follow how that was going to play out, especially in this case where you have a family that is quite vocal in this is not what's happening. So, Kevin, one of the things that was interesting to me is that we learn that we have always been told through media that Munchausen by proxy, we'll just call it that, is something that people do on purpose to get attention. We learn in this show is that it's not always that. It's people whose identity sometimes is formed around having a sick child and they've become advocates and that becomes who they are. The symptoms can be very real, but the child's identity also develops around being ill, right? So these can be well-intentioned people who believe they are advocating for a sick child who are also 
committing child abuse and may not be aware that they're committing child abuse. Yeah, I think the term that they used was over... Over-medicalization. Over-medicalization, yeah. Where I think there are people who feel very strongly on both sides of yes. this, maybe informed by their personal opinions or not, but that the parents have every right to X, Y, and Z and that they feel like they could do no wrong and there are others that they feel like, hey, the medical professionals are the experts and they can do no wrong or whatever. So if you come down on one and you don't want to know the other, then you probably aren't yes. going to be pleased with the discussion. Okay. So that being said, I think one of the things that... And we respect you either way. Yeah. You and know, you, that's, but please respect us too. Yes. Right. <laughs> so what were we saying? That that it can be more complicated, that, the, yeah. that it's not ill intentions necessarily, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it should be necessary to make the judgment on who's right and who's wrong. But I think as a viewer, the correct answer to what Justina's condition is probably plays a large role in vindicating one side or the other and how you view the parties involved. If she's being over-medicalized, then that's a black mark against the parents, and maybe we don't like the parents. If they are totally misdiagnosing her condition, then that's a black mark against the physicians. I think that it's fairly balanced through the whole thing, where in the beginning, we see two parties that are very eager you know, to do good work, and the way the balance works is that it's still balanced at the end, but I think we're seeing a balance of them fucking up. Yeah. So I don't think it leans either way necessarily. But the documentary is everybody equal time is what you're saying. Yes, it gives them equal time. But also I think for every time that you can point to the parents doing something that's deleterious, that you can point to something that the doctors or the hospital or the system has done that misinterprets these things and the thing that they're doing is deleterious or that it is it perceived to be deleterious perceived to be yeah 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 and that's what's interesting to me but what's troubling to me and what cannot be ignored is watching justina's condition change oh, in the yeah. course of this documentary yeah yeah and what is extremely troubling to me is watching not just the physical decline of this child but the cognitive decline of this child we are watching a child who could not only ice skate and walk and participate in her family's activities, but whose ability to process information, speak, interact has just precipitously declines the documentary. Even before, you know, what happens to her, uh, spoiler alert, we know this is a spoiler part, we learned she has a stroke in 2022. Even before that, we see she's behaving like a very young child. And we had seen her earlier in the documentary as a teen behaving at the level of a teenager. There is something going on here that is unaddressed. Uh, we don't know why she can't walk. It is never explained. The family can't seem to explain it, but all she can walk and then she can't. We are watching the condition just degrade, 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 and we don't know why. And that is so troubling to me. Laura, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's the part that is hard to sort of reconcile in this is that we don't really ever, I mean, I didn't really come away feeling like I had an answer about what was happening with her. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like this is a case that is very complex medically, legally, from the point of view of the family. I feel like they do a good job trying to cover all of that. But it, it's, again, you see her and she she's just always in a sort of state of fragility that is changing and evolving and 
you know, at one point when we do finally hear from her, her sister has to sit next to her to like help her speak because she gets nervous. And, and the thing is, they're so forthcoming on the family about their fight with the children's hospital and fight with what's happening. And I feel like despite that, I still came away not really sure where I felt like I landed on this issue because I guess I don't feel like that the medical actual, and and maybe they can't explain it, but the actual what's going on medically with her was ever really broken down because I am curious. I'm like, okay, so now she's in a wheelchair. Is she just weak? But wait, now she's riding horses. And then they're like, now we're using the riding horses as something that we're going to use in the legal fight to explain why X, Y, and Z isn't, you know, happening here because of the certain muscles and movements that she's doing. So there was a lot to unpack. And I think they tried to include everybody's point of view, but I did leave feeling like I didn't really have a good sense of what was actually going on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I felt the same way, Laura, and I'm thinking like, why are there no answers? Because I don't think there are answers. Maybe they're right? not Sometimes, answers. Yeah. You know, and I, th- I think towards the end we get something and we'll, we'll, you know, when we get a new doctor and I'm sure we'll address that. So it's not uncommon for us as viewers to say, okay, there could be another nefarious explanation. And one of them could be a parent doing something, but it also could be, we think, or I'm sure I thought early on, maybe Justina is embellishing. And maybe that's why she can't walk in anything. But I tell you, by the time you get to the end and she's in a wheelchair, her hair is falling out. She has this stroke. It's obvious that she is very ill. And then we find out later they do the, the genetic testing and there is some answer there. But that, okay, you don't have to be embellishing to have real symptoms. I mean, oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there are somatic issues that can cause real symptoms. That right. is a yeah, known yeah. As a known thing. Right. It and does that's not the position make it, of the hospital. Well, the position of the hospital is that she's getting positively reinforced for her illness. And so she's not getting better because of positive reinforcement for illness. Okay. I am not saying that I know for sure that that is what's going on here. But I'm saying that looks an awful lot like what could be going on here. What also looks a lot an awful lot like what could be going on here is a family being driven crazy by living with a medical mystery that no one is willing to solve. Right. Both of those things could be true. And granted, I just want to acknowledge again, and I'm sure there are people listening who are very sensitive to these issues, and I, I know people who are very sensitive to these issues, but I also do know people whose entire identity has been built around their child's illnesses. And mm-hmm. I know people who also have very ill children whose entire identity has not been built around those child's illnesses. There are definitely different ways to approach this, okay? I see a family whose entire identities have been built around this child's illness. I do. They have built, Based on what you've they've seen built it, yeah. their life around it. They've built their life around a network of advocacy. They've built their life around being combative. They've built their life around, now they're in this evangelical web. They have you know, built their life around activities for Justina. They've built their life around it being a battle with the hospital. I just don't know that they know how to live a different way. Well, and I agree, Rebecca, because we can psychoanalyze from the sidelines, the Munchausen thing, but there is something to be said for this family sort of deriving their sense of purpose. Yes, from, that's it, purpose. Yeah, their sense of purpose from taking care of this very sick child and advocating for this very sick child. and making sure everything is right. So like there is nothing outside of that for them. All right. So Kevin, let's just take a quick break from this like very 
like twisty oh. discussion. And like, let's do some business, shall we? Let's do the business section. What's going on on our Patreon right now, Kevin? Uh, well, right now on Patreon, you could uh, listen to over 325 exclusive podcast That's episodes. Wow. Yeah, they include things like Crime Writers on After Show. This week we talked about our holiday hijinks. We have Leave It to Bricker, in which Laura Bricker learns how to make ice cream. Hmm. Yeah, I learned how to make ice cream, and I learned some things about crab anatomy that yeah. I may never recover from. That's why they call it soft shell, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Toby Paul, he's getting ready for the next Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Next podcast, he's going to be talking about the book Trailed, One Woman's Quest to Solve the Shenandoah Murders. Is it Laura? It's not Laura. <laughs> Sounds like it's the latest in a series of books about white women who think the most interesting thing about a murder is that they're going to investigate. Oh, you haven't read the book. You don't know. I'm just mm. guessing. You don't know. I'm just guessing. There's a whole genre of. You don't know. How do you know she's white? You don't know. You haven't read the book. I saw the cover. <laughs> and Toby's got. He's actually got a good lineup for that one. Allison Horrocks and Janet Varney nice. will be on the uh, on the show with him. Nice. All right, Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have a Patreon patron saint of the week this week? No, we have two. All right. Oh. Our Patreon patron saints are Janine Van Kessel and Randa Chris. Bless you. Bless you guys. Thank you for enduring the business section. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. And thanks for those who don't and just listen to the business section anyway. We really appreciate you. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, so Kevin, there's a whole other aspect of this documentary I want to get into in just a second, but I do have a final question sort of about this family for you. Oh, don't make it final. We got a lot to talk about. Oh, that's about. true. Yeah. Okay, it's not final. But you did make a note about how you feel about this depends on how your feelings lie about Lou and Linda, the parents, yeah. Justina's parents. What did yeah. you mean by that? Well, I think they are the straw that's stirring this drink, right? And they are... That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And Lupe in particular is a big personality. I mean, even... They both in the, are. Even in the civil trial, right? Yeah. The jurors later comment that their perception of the parents somehow affected their verdict. And I think that's it. I mean, you can see that 
they are probably doing things in the name of their child that are distasteful to some, make others feel uncomfortable. People might say go way over the line. Some might say absolutely appropriate in defense of my child. I think they're very polarizing in that way. I just called and spoke with Justina's father and mother, and within three seconds I received an earful of, what is being done to Justina is criminal, barbaric, illegal, disgusting, and there will be legal consequences for anyone involved. If you take her, we will sue you too. Did I read that correctly? Yes, you did. And also, I mean, also it's important because we don't have the doctors. Right? We don't really have their side of view. We hear them in depositions. Oh, yeah, their and lawyers stuff. would not let them participate in this shit. Yeah, so we no hear way. some stuff from them. <laughs> we have some, you know, color analysis from journalists and whatnot. Ton, they brought in tons of medical experts. Tons. Yeah. Part of what they ended up doing was that they want not only they want Justina to come home. They want her out of that hospital. And the next part of her treatment plan was to, okay, we'll get you out of this acute care hospital into some kind of rehabilitation facility. That's what the next step ought to be. And they just threatened all the rehabilitation facilities with, you know, lawsuits, legal actions, calling everybody Nazis. It made it very difficult. Again, it was deleterious. That's my 2023 word. Deleterious? Deleterious to the actions and to her recovery. Yeah. I think, and I that a lot of that is obviously on the parents. So if you think that, you know, that they are overreacting, then you're going to look at that side differently because of them. Yes. But, Laura, as I said earlier, a lot of this also looks a lot like people who are living with a medical mystery that no one's willing to solve. Like, I, I also look at it through that lens. I'm like, what if, mm-hmm. wouldn't that look exactly the same as someone living with a medical mystery that no one's willing to fucking solve, right? Yeah, well, and that's that's the challenge in the show is that you can look at it from both sides and you can make the narrative fit both sides. And that that is the challenge is that we really don't know what's going on here. What we do know is this is extremely complicated. There are people on all sides that are advocating for this girl because they believe they are looking out for her best interest from the doctors to the psychiatrist to her parents to Marty. 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 <laughs> All right. We need to talk about Marty. He is the and, hacker yeah. uh, working with Anonymous who basically does a DOS attack on Boston Children's Hospital in this free Justina campaign when um, the parents sort of put it out there that she's being held, quote, hostage. And then he's in prison now for that after he and his wife tried to escape on a little tiny boat to Cuba and almost died. Marty sends out taunting tweets to Wayside and Boston Children's. He gives them an ultimatum. If you want us to stop attacking, let Justina go home. And the hospital is saying, look, we're here caring for children. How can you do this? Kevin, what do you think about Marty and his story being included in such a big way in this documentary? Well, at first I thought like the attention given to the anonymous attack, like in the story itself and Marty, like his background. For, I'm like, this is an unnecessary detour. What do we have to fucking hear about this guy? But his story was really fascinating and it was really important to the overall narrative here. Again, I don't think he's a terribly likable figure. Uh, he seems motivated by his own demons, his own past. His desire to save a child here, I think that he really sees himself like in this righteous light that he would, you know, I would do it all again. A cyber attack on an acute care hospital filled mostly with children, you're you're risking people's lives. Justine is not like ransom. You can't like say, okay, I'll stop this if you give her up. 
That's not how that works. That was terribly reckless. The idea of, yes, I did this wonderful thing to help her out. That's not great. I feel a lot of for his wife. His wife seems like a nice woman and sort of, I don't know if this is what she got into. But the idea that, oh, well, the FBI's coming for me. Let's get on a speedboat to Cuba. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. I was like, this is so crazy. Plus, I am asking all of my friends that work at PEA and teach there if they had him as a student, because now I need I need to know more about Marty. Yeah, I I thought it was interesting, too, that he went to uh, Phillips Exeter and it was like all those smart kids went there. I'm like, isn't every year full of smart kids? And yeah. went to Phillips Exeter. Yeah, Zuckerberg went there. I know. Hey, I if know. you want to get political asylum in Cuba. Why don't you just go to the embassy in Boston? You know, you wrote something interesting. <laughs> just go there. Why are you going to fucking but get on a boat? it's not as fun. It's How not as fun. How was it to go in the boat? It was so exciting. I'm like, I this know. is exciting. I know. You actually wrote something interesting. I Just to backtrack a little bit, Laura, that you were here watching this with your uncle who was visiting yes. for Christmas. And he had a very sort of like political point of view about this documentary, right? Oh, yes. So my uncle was, um, I'm watching it from the point of view of, isn't this an interesting case? He is looking at from the point of view of this is a government overreach. What government? What government was he talking about? Um, I'm, you know, the hospital government of the, the hospital com- government, the Commonwealth of the Massachusetts. Legal system. Yeah. Okay. Um, they can just do whatever they want. They can take your kid. Nobody can stop them. They can hold your kid hostage. This is what's wrong with the country. And I was like getting annoyed. And then I was like, you know what? There is a huge group of people that probably feel this exact same way about yeah. this case. Yeah. And, and when I went online and started researching this case, there are like websites where people are exactly saying that same thing. Right. Well, there's a reason why there's an evangelical tie-in here, right? A conservative evangelical tie-in. It's not just because of the religious aspect of it. It's because of the conservative aspect of it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the don't tread on me flags at the, uh, the thing. I always say, like I was thinking this, Laura, in um, Imperfect Paradise, the sheriff Uh, And I thought about this, you know, early on with Kanye, too. If Fox News starts taking up your talking points, you have to reconsider your life choices Hmm. and or your talking points. And Fox News, if the Russian government starts picking up your talking points, you need to reconsider your life choices as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you can see why those people is at Kevin P. Flynn. That was him. That was not me. I'm going to be the one to get the reviews for that. You know that, right? It's going to be Rebecca oh, yeah. Lavoy Said is what? an asshole because of you just, that's the thing that I uh, get reviews for. It's Kevin Flynn. Kevin, Kevin P. Flynn. Kevin Flynn said it. Kevin Flynn said it. <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> Consider your life choices. <laughs> Kevin, you had a tipping point, a couple of tipping points here with regard to Justina's illness and with regard to Lou and Linda, where you were like, I don't know if she's as sick as they say, and then I don't know if they are as bad as the hospital says. Yeah, no, I think that I mean, we hear an awful lot about her condition from a very young age right up to present day. I got to tell you, if I met them in real life, I would 100% believe like what they're saying. The fact that it's in a documentary and there's this suspense, you know, you're a little suspicious the whole way through. So I apologize to Justina, but it certainly was by the time that she had a stroke, you're like, she's not fucked. They're not they're not putting Windex in her. No, the, uh, the symptoms are real. Symptoms are real. I'm but not. Also, deni- no one is denying the symptoms. But, are real. You know, you, you go back and you're like they took out her colon. Yep. You know, I mean, are you saying that 
they fooled a bunch of surgeons. I mean, I know, again, we, we, we it look at... That does happen. Yeah, we, you know, that we look at mommy dead and dearest, and they did all... She, the mom was able to convince doctors to do all sorts of stuff. This is super invasive surgery that, I mean, would they say, hey, for the hell of it, let's take the colon out so we can feed her through a bag the rest of her life. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. When I heard that, I'm like, okay, I, I, there's no way I'm, I'm talking about that for her, that she's not really a sick girl, that she doesn't have... You know, symptoms. a gen- genetic problem. Her symptoms are real, yeah. Yeah, her symptoms are real. I mean, that doesn't mean that she just has symptoms. There is a real medical underlying cause for a lot of it. But my tipping point on the two parents was for Lou, when he started to call people Nazis, then I'm like, okay, you're just, you're out of control. The very end, when Linda says that she thinks that the doctors were performing Satanism, I'm just seen in the hospital, I'm like, okay, you, you've gone off the deep end too. So yeah. I kind of lost it with them at the end. I, again, their heart's in the right place, but the way that they were going about it was just deleterious. Yeah. I lost it with them, again, when all you hear from the children and all you hear from Justina is that all she wants is to be with her parents all of the time. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for me to manage that. And I, I, I just want to, I'm just going to just say it. I am not a parent who cannot relate to having a kid with issues. I can relate to that. And my biggest goal in my life is for all of my children to be able to thrive in the world where they don't need me because they're not always going to have me. And it is heartbreaking for me that when they talk to Justina in this film, her biggest desire is to only be with her parents. And that is the world that they have created for her. That breaks my fucking heart. It's really, really sad because you wonder what is next for her? Yeah. You know, in the end, we finally, we get somewhat of an answer about what has been going on with Justine when they finally do like her genetic sequencing. Because there was, you know, there were points at the, like in the trial where they had an expert come on and say, she doesn't have this mitochondrial disorder because none of these things are here. One of the, you know, journalists said, is it possible that she has a form that none of these tests could detect? You know, that that seems a little weird. This new doctor comes in and says, it's not exactly on the nose, but yes, she has some kind of mitochondrial disease, but it's not this one. It's something a little different. And that, yes, some of her symptoms were, uh, what was the term? And he says, yes, somatoform is also a, an op- a possibility yeah. here. And also that the parents probably over-medicalized her. Like, he doesn't get into specifics like removing her colon. That is something that he's they vague. should have done. Let's he's just say he's vague. He's very he's vague. vague. He's also vague about, yeah, I told the mom that you maybe she needs to work with he people. He doesn't want to be called a Satanist. That's why yeah. he's fucking vague. Yeah, he does work <laughs> with them. Sued. Yeah, he's so. Satanist. <laughs> so, we do get so we do get some of that answer. But again, I feel like a lot of this, and perhaps it's on purpose, is that we just don't ever really know. Every time you get something that looks bad to once, they give you something that looks bad on the other side. Or they give you something bad and they give you something that refutes that and then makes them look good. You know, and the I'm not sure where I come down. I, you know, you can find that the Pelletiers are bad people, but you can't say that they aren't working from a place where they are trying to help their daughter. There's a reason why David Kushner did this story, right? Well, he was doing it on the idea of, of it from the angle of Marty, the hacktivist. I know, but there's like a reason why it's an interesting story for journalists to cover because it is not 
a story where it's not black and white. You don't yeah. walk out of it and you're like, mm-hmm. oh fuck, I know what's going on. I mean, you can have an. I have a strong opinion, as you know. Yeah. I think yeah. we have opinions, but I know. I'm just going to be very fucking clear. I know that my opinion is an opinion. I'm just going to yeah, leave, yeah, leave yeah. it there, right? BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the Peacock documentary series, The Battle for Justina Pelletier? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this series? I'm going to be like a mild thumbs up in this because, you know, I thought it was a really interesting case. Obviously, it's a local case to where we live. I thought it was interesting because there really wasn't a clear-cut answer. There was like, you know, what I'm seeing, like three different sides of people involved in the care of Justina Pelletier, all with sort of their own take on what is best for her. And as somebody that has been really interested in Munchausen by proxy in the past and other cases, it's really interesting to see how that discussion relates to this case. I didn't love it because I felt like a couple things. It was, I think, could have been shorter. Some of it felt a little redundant to me. And secondly, because and maybe this wasn't possible, I wanted a little bit more clear and specific information about what the actual medical situation was. And and that may not have been possible, but I felt like to me that was the part that was missing. But it was interesting. So I would say uh, mild thumbs up. Kevin, what about you? Thumbs up or thumbs down for the battle for Justina Pelletier? Yeah, I'm also a, a thumbs up. I agree with Lara that there could be more specificity in some of the things that are happening here. I think it's really a great case study in being misguided I don't think it's a spoiler to say that you can say that maybe the parents were misguided in how they acted towards the system, how the doctors might have been misguided about their treatment plans and about how this one cyber activist was probably misguided in the way that he went about trying to help the situation. I think everybody's working from a place that they think is good intentions, but this ended up being a clusterfuck of people trying to do one thing and working it out the other and in the process losing sight of a girl who's um you know has a very 
debilitating disorder. So I'm still going to go thumbs up. I think it's an interesting case. You know, at first I thought maybe uh, like Lara, it was too long, but I I think maybe now I would be okay with it being a little longer if I found out a little more specificity. I think maybe that they couldn't give us that. And so that's why a lot of these questions sort of remain up in the air. Yeah, I'm giving it a thumbs up too. I share a criticism with one of you guys. They do a very good job with timelines in the show where they show you visual timelines. Yeah. The one thing they don't do with the visual timelines is on this day, Justina could walk. And then on this day, Justina couldn't walk. Like there's a lot of just very, very clear where we see things. And then it's like, wait, what happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the stuff that it just isn't clear. And it's like, wait, why is she walking here, not walking there, which is confusing. And the thing that I that I think that this makes a compelling watch, especially for parents who've ever interacted with chronic illness, illness. And the other thing that is just interesting is anybody who believes, as I did, that Munchausen by proxy or medical child abuse has to be a thing guided by ill intent. It's fascinating to learn that it doesn't have to be guided by ill intent, that it's something that like very well-intentioned, loving parents can do to their kids, that medical child abuse can be done by parents who love their kids, but whose identities become formed by having ill kids. It's just a something that I didn't know as much about as I thought I did. So yeah, mild thumbs up to thumbs up for me for the battle for Justina Pelletier. All right, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, Lara Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? You guys, I had a cat of the week all picked out. But then the thing I have been waiting for for my entire life Uh-oh. of cat of the week came my way. All right. And it's an armadillo of the week. Oh, my God. You ah. literally said that on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Alyssa, uh, Studio C sponsor for sending me the video of the armadillo named Rudder that she and her nieces saw at the Wildlife World Zoo Aquarium and Safari Park. So, Alyssa, thank you for listening to Crime Writers On and making all of my Christmas dreams come true this year with the Christmas armadillo. All right, Laura Bricker, folks want to reach out to you on social media to send you other kinds of weird-ass fucking animals to be cat of the week. <laughs> of course, they can email us at crimewritersona at gmail.com or put stuff on our Facebook group. But if they want to catch you on social media, how can they find you there? They can find me at Laura Bricker. What about you, Kevin? How can you be found? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On and please join our incredible community and our official, really wonderful Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We have a regular Facebook page. Just go there. Join the group. We'll let you in. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get the Crime Writers On After Show. You'll get Married With Podcast. You get Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast. And you'll get Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very handsome Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this fine program is the very talented Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where Kevin creates secret messages with an elaborate origami asking to be rescued from me. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. later. And also that the parents probably over-medicalized her. Like, now specifically what it, this It is, can all be true. Yeah, it all could be. Is he saying, like, yeah, she shouldn't have gotten the colonoscopy or what? I mean, it isn't specific. You mean the colonectomy? Yeah. The colonoscopy. <laughs> the colonoscopy. Yeah, shit. Yeah. She got the colonoscopy. Ouch. Yes. <laughs> I take that again. Yeah. 
partners in crime media. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Mm-hmm. 